What is going on, everybody? Welcome back to another episode of the Kind of Funny X-Cast, your home for all things Xbox here at Kind of Funny. Of course, I'm one of your hosts, Snowbike Mike, and today I am joined by my two incredible, illustrious, and downright awesome co-hosts, Paris. What's going on? How are you today? Oh, I'm doing fantastic. How are you doing, my friend? I'm feeling good, Paris. I'm happy to be back. Uh, you know, I don't think people out there on the opposite side will notice, but we're here on a Thursday afternoon. A little switch up, right? It's not quite the weekend vibes like we normally have. We still got to make it through one day of work, but you know what? I'm feeling good. I'm loosened up, uh, coming hot off of a great week of content with Kind of Funny and a whole lot of Outriders, which can't wait to talk with you about here in just a little bit of like, what's your impressions after a week or so now? Oh, yeah, yeah, absolutely. And by the way, a fantastic job uh, you've been doing this week. I got to see you know, you be a part of the game cast for the Outriders review. I got to watch some of the Luna stream that you're on. Great stuff, man. So, but yeah, I mean, I'm excited to uh, talk a little bit more about Outriders, kind of give my final impressions before we move on. I love that. I can't wait for that. And of course, our guy in the Los Santos streets, he's back. Gary Mitchell, Carson Loncock. Now he's back as just Gary Witta, the rogue one. What's going on, boss? How are it's you? It's just me. It's actually a change to be myself for once. I'm so used to being these other characters. But yeah, I've had a good week, uh, kept busy, um, actually haven't been able to get into the city uh, as much as I would have liked this past week because I've been juggling various different work projects and stuff like that. And uh, yeah, now we've got this slightly adjusted schedule. We're going to record, I guess now we'll record Thursday afternoons and we'll drop uh, the episodes Friday morning rather than Saturday morning. So hey, you know, for all the X-Cast fans out there, you just get get all this goodness and positivity one day early. Exactly. Now you get to end your week and start your weekend with us, which is going to be a great combo let's jump into it guys what the heck have you been playing i'm going to kick it to gary actually because i know paris he's jumped just a little bit in to a game that i'm absolutely loving right now it takes two gary what have you been thinking about that it takes two i um i've been a big fan of joseph farris ever since his first game of brothers a tale of two sons which i just thought was wonderful um and joseph like three games now he's it's always been the same mechanic right two characters working together in in a collaborative way and it's been interesting to see the different ways that he's approached that with the brothers a tale of two sons it was this very clever mechanic of controlling one character with the left thumbstick and the other character with the right thumbstick on the same screen and it was one person playing two characters and he came up with all kinds of like really delightful mechanics and clever ways to approach you know collaborative puzzle solving that we hadn't thought about before really really clever just a great great debut uh, a way out the prison break story uh i thought was fantastic as well i get a different approach it's for two players right and it would he would split the screen and the screen would do all kinds of wacky split screen things depending on who was the focus of the action at any, any one time but that was like couch co-op and I thought he totally reinvented couch co-op with a way out. My wife and I both love that. So two for two, Joseph Farris. Um, as soon as we knew he was doing It Takes Two, my wife and I were both like, this is the next This is the next thing for us. And when it dropped and when we tried it, I think it's his best game Yeah, I think that everything that he's taken in learning how to do these collaborative, cooperative, two-player, uh, puzzle-solving, platform adventuring type mechanics has been applied to It Takes Two. It's so whimsical. It's so beautiful. It's It's got heart. It's got passion. It's fun. It's wacky. And the puzzle design and the level design and the way in which the two players are asked to collaborate to solve puzzle and navigate obstacles and progress is like every five minutes, you're like, that's genius. Like, who who thinks of that? Like, it's just so clever. It's so delightful. My wife and I have been, are, are, are loving it. My daughter and I um, are loving it. Just a wonderful, wonderful game, I think even though it's a shorter game, and I think these shorter games that are only about 10 or 12 hours long, I think often 
uh, get overlooked when you know awards time comes around. I know it's early. I know it's only April, but I think we're going to be talking about it takes two uh, in the game of the year uh, conversation. Certainly in the relevant categories. I love that, Gary Paris. Have you got to try this at all before I touch on it? No, and that, and it's a finger of shame towards me. Um, <laughs> I've I've been meaning to. Um, I really want to. It's just as I'm sure we'll get into later. It's just been so much other stuff going on. I haven't had the opportunity yet, but but it's absolutely on the list for everything that Gary just said. Um, I, everyone that I know has played it has raved about it. That. Yeah, we'll be talking about this game um, at the end of the year. Jeff Keighley will have a segment <laughs> in the Game Awards at the end of the year, and they'll be talking about this game. So I am excited to play it, and uh, hopefully I'll be able to do that. Probably with one of my kids is the plan um, here soon, probably next week or so. That's cool. I was actually going to talk with you both about it because I've been playing a lot of it. I'm probably about 80% done with it now, and I've been playing with my girlfriend, and we've been having a ton of fun. But it's interesting, right? You go from brothers a tale of two brothers are and then into a way out right and it's like man now you look at this one it's kind of about you know a family and divorcing and being separated but trying to rekindle that love and you say i might play with my kids and i was going to ask you and gary's like do you think this is like one where you want to play it with your partner or significant other would it be a different vibe if you played it with one of your kids or one of your just friends there what kind of vibe do you think would that be would it be different for you I think the vibe might be slightly, you know, playing it with my kid, we were both just enjoying the game for what it was. And it is a delightful concept. And I don't think it's any kind of a spoiler to say this because like it's the it, like the, the story leads with this. Like the, the, the game opens the idea of this couple um, that are getting divorced. They've got a young daughter. She's really sad about the fact that her parents are going to separate. And she has these two little dolls that she's made of her mother and father. And the dolls basically come to life um, embodied with the spirit of the two parents, right, who are going to be divorcing and separating. And, you know, right away, you, you, you instantly know this is a, this is going to be a story about them going on this adventure. They're going to reconcile as as parents like they're going to be like mommy and daddy aren't going to split up after all. Um, and, you know, and then the game kind of very much wears its heart on its sleeve. So, yeah, playing with like a romantic partner with a with, with you know, husband and wife playing together and it's a husband and wife character. I actually think, and this is going to sound really silly, you know how I like to overdo it when I become really enamored with a game, Mike. I actually think this this game could be a little bit of therapy. If you're in a real-life situation with your spouse, your significant other, maybe you've been bickering a little bit lately, play this game, and just like the couple in the game, maybe you'll remember that you know working together is is better than fighting with one another. It's really, it's really, really beautiful. Joseph Farris does such a great job of, of like, think about it again all these different tones right a brother's tale of two sons was this whimsical fantasy but it had kind of a dark tint to it right it was you know they were trying to find medicine to their father was dying basically and it had a really really um a, a gut punch of an ending like a real big emotional gut punch and then a way out was like kind of hardcore you know prison break on fox kind of thing like very you know violent and very gritty and r-rated and then to go all the way from that to these cutesy dolls in this very you know cartoony environment just goes to show that Joseph Farris seems like whatever tone he's playing with, he can master it. Like he, you yeah. never know what he's going to do next. And I think that's wonderful. And it is fascinating to see him carve out this very, very specific area of game design Two player collaborative game design with a split screen. He basically invented that right in, in the way that he does it. No one else is doing it. He's, he's like, you, you can just call it like the Joseph Farris genre, right? It's the, it's the haze light genre that they've created. And it's wonderful. Honestly, my, my hat is off to the guy. It's so rare to see an original voice come through in video games these days and he's he's totally an original voice and the game is just fantastic i can't recommend it highly enough yeah you have said it so well gary and i'll just try to add a little bit to it of like 
it is so much fun. It's an absolute blast. And Hazelight Studios and Joseph Ayers have done it again, as you said, right? This is another banger that you can play with a friend. And of course, encompasses the buddy pass again, which I love, right? That you buy it once and then you can send out the code to play with somebody else, right? They can go download it off the that's storefront. That's great too, yeah. Buddy Especially for a shorter game, play. right? Oh, it's incredible, yeah. Gary. I think that's one of those, like you're building that co-op online experience that we've kind of lost, right? You see a lot of games, it's either hardcore multiplayer shooters and it's three to four people or you're just playing the single player games. There hasn't really been a lane that's been so often touched on, which is just two-player co-op with an awesome, fun, engaging story and some great gameplay. He's really figured it out with that foundation of a way out into this where you can see it, right? It's like, it's a different tone, but the mechanics are still there. You work together to solve different puzzles. He's got fun mini games that will you can stop for five minutes and play with one another and beat each other up as whack-a-mole or different fun Game Boy games. And it's really cool to see that. And I actually like, you know, this cartoony nature, this story that they have so much better than a way out. I love that prison break stuff, but like, this is fun to me. I love the whimsical nature of what we're seeing and another good one over there. So I hope that we continue to beat this drum. I can't wait to hear what Paris says, but I hope at the end of the year, this is brought up in conversations, right? We always talk about this first quarter, this first half of the year, a lot of these great games will come out and then we kind of forget about them, right? right. But will we remember the Hitman threes? Will we remember It Takes Two? Will we remember these other games where it's like, hey, like I hope somebody brings this up in conversation because there's some great games that we don't want to forget. Another game that I've been loving, and as I transition over to our other co-host, Mr. Paris Lilly, Outriders. Paris, we talked about our initial impressions on the last podcast. Now we've had a full week with it. Of course, you can go check out the Kind of Funny review slash impressions over on YouTube.com slash Kind of Funny Games, where the Games cast talked about it. Big time voices on there even brought in our good friend Blind Gamer Steve to talk about accessibility. So I highly encourage you to check it out. But now, Paris, it's yours and our time. I get to talk with you about it. How you been feeling after a week? Feeling pretty good. And I have to make one correction because it was killing me all week on when I said it last last week. We were talking about Outriders and I was saying tier 12, world tier 12. I meant level 12, not world <laughs> tier 12. So I'm an idiot, right? Um, it was killing me. I was like, oh, someone's going to nail me on this one. But I, right now I'm level level 22 and nice. I'm world tier 8. Um, on my main, basically I'm maining uh, Pyromancer, but I also have a Trickster and a Techromancer that I've been leveling up behind that. And they're like in the level wise in the teens. Um, but I'm, I'm having a good time with it. And, and it's funny because like I, like I said, I got to see the review on GameCast that you did along with Greg and, uh, you know, Khalif and everyone else. And for the most part, I agreed with everything that was being said as far as the technical issues and some of the UI issues and some of the things that hopefully they can clean up in the future. But I love the gameplay loop. I do. Um, it's, it, it has that throwback to the PS3 kind of Xbox 360 era where it's, it's more linear than you would think it would be because it seems like it should be more open world, but it's really not. But the actual, in, when I'm engaging with enemies and the difficulty that you can have going into the various tiers, I like it. The loot drops, you know, once, once the purple stuff started dropping, I started getting some legendary drops. Um, was really loving that. Um, the, the mod system that is in there. I love it in, in its simplistic nature. I, I feel like anyone can be introduced to it and understand it, but it is effective and it allows you a different variety of builds to be able to put together. Again, going back to some of the the quality of life issues I hope they could fix. Um, 
they, they definitely need some kind of loadout system in there so I can kind of save specific builds and be able to swap between them, you know, as, as I choose. But overall, I, I enjoy it. And I, I can see me playing this a month from now, two months from now, six months from now. But a lot of that, and this is something that Destiny and the Division and all of them suffered through as well, is what's the next thing? What's the next bit of content? Because I, I do agree with some of the stuff you guys were saying. We'll, we'll burn through all this, the expedition stuff. We'll burn through all this stuff in a couple of weeks. And then we're going to be like, all right, what's next? What do you, what do you got now? I've, I've had my fill of the base game of the initial loot grind. What's next? What are the new weapons? What is, what are the new gear that you're going to introduce? What are the new challenges that you potentially can bring into this game? I see so much potential with it. That's why I don't want to necessarily dismiss it as a, Hey, had a, had a few weeks of fun with it and I'm going to put it down and move on to something else. Because I think they have the potential here to continue to, to add to it and, and keep me engaged with it. So, like, like I said, I'm, I'm enjoying it for what it is. Is it the best game in the world? Absolutely not. Is it terrible? No, it's, it's just good. Solid. I, I just feel like it's solid shooter. But I think, Mike, you were the one that brought this up and, and it was a great point. It came out at the perfect time. There's nothing to compete with it right now. Everyone's in their back catalog right now playing games anyway. So here was a brand new game that came on the scene to be able to capture everyone's attention at the perfect moment. If this would have dropped in October, as an example, it probably wouldn't have given a second thought. Might have played it a few times, reviewed it, and yeah, we'd have moved on to Halo Infinite or whatever the other new shiny is out around the holiday period. So I do think they were smart to put it out now when they did. It kind of gives them time to get community feedback. We've already seen a big patch um, is getting ready to come out already and allow them to kind of curate and hopefully tighten it up. By the time we do get to holiday season, you know, we're, we're going to get distracted with those games, but maybe they'll have that carrot on the end of the stick that'll get us to maybe want to come back and continue playing it after that. I'm so glad you're enjoying it, Paris, because I've been having a blast and actually mm -hmm. I want to touch on the timing like you brought up, right? I totally agree. And that's what I did say is like, it struck at the perfect time. And on top of that with Game Pass, right? Nobody mm -hmm. has an excuse. We yeah. always say that here on the XCast. Like, you don't have an excuse. What are you playing? Nothing right now. So why don't you give it a try with you and your friends? And actually you talking about that, I started to think like, what's the roadmap, not for the game, but for us as gamers, right? What is in front of us and how much time do we have? And it's like, man, this team not only struck at the right time, but now has time to perfect the game, add on to stuff, and get us back before the summer months, before the fall, right? Mm -hmm. This is that perfect time, which like you do technically have maybe three months here of time to work with before anybody might get fully distracted and really drop this of like, hey, we've added another expedition. We've added some cool monster variation. Here's some more guns that you can go out and grind for. And it's like, man, this team might actually have some extra time down the road here to keep us engaged. Because yeah. as you said, right, like for me and my friends, we're going to play this for two weeks and we're going to be done, right? We're going to play those expeditions. We're going to have fun. But it's not like a Destiny where it's like, I don't feel that need to grind and have the Gallahorn and make sure I have that special pistol, right? For me, it's like, hey, we had fun. We got to max level. Everybody got some cool gear. Let's get out of here, right? Yeah. But mm -hmm. with the time that we have and what what is on the horizon and what really isn't on the horizon, right? It's like, oh, man, if they could pull me back next month, the month after that, I would come back because I don't have many big games on my radar that would take a lot of time away from me. So I'm excited to see what they do. And actually Paris, I feel bad today. Me and Greg played with blessing. And as I said on the games cast, 
I burned through that. I didn't even watch the story, right. didn't watch the cutscenes. I was just smashing B with my friends and we were going, right? Well, there we were today and Blessing was actually stop everything, listen to the cutscene. And there was characters introduced, there was fun moments. And I'm like, man, I missed a lot. Like I <laughs> yeah. shouldn't have done that. Like uh, what the heck, you know? And I felt like this pull of like, let's get it done. It's not connecting with me. Let's just have some fun. But here we were at about the 65 to 80% mark with Blessing today. I was like, man, like, who's that guy? Or like, what's happening here? This is kind of cool. Because to me, it was like, we'd go into the cutscene. I'll skip that. Don't worry about it. We'd go past it. I'd, I don't know what happened there, but we're moving to a new area, right? And so I, I can't wait to jump back now, get a new character, listen to the cutscenes, get into the story. Because it did seem good enough, right? Fun enough to engage with, especially because I like that gameplay loop, like you said. And I think that will pull me in just a little bit. Have you been into the story? What do you think? Yeah, I'm not a huge fan of the story. I, I quite honestly, I have been letting the cutscenes play out. I still don't really get what's going on, but <laughs> but I don't care. I, I guess that's kind of the thing. It's like the division. I have no idea what what the story of the division is. I just like playing it. Um, but I get what you mean. I mean, yeah, they're they're trying to build a new world again. It's a new IP, and I guess that's the the other part of this that you know I'm really rooting for them to to make this a smash hit hit because they're building out this universe and inevitably when they're able to do Outriders 2 now at least they've established a base of this world they've established some characters and maybe they kind of elaborate on them even more a great example of that in my opinion is Gears of War if you go back to that original Gears of War story it was just a lot of dude bro stuff and come on and all that what was really good? I don't know what's going on to you but by the time we got to Gears 2 and obviously beyond, you really started to see that character development, you know, especially like the stuff with Dom and everything. And it, it was great. And maybe that opportunity is is here with Outriders as well, which ironically enough, people can't fly to Gears of War Judgment. But but you get the point. Um, I, I, I think there's an opportunity down the road for them to build on that story and actually get me invested in it versus what it is right now. It looks like when you look at the charts over on the Xbox dashboard, right? You click on Game Pass, you click on the most played games. It looks like it's high up there and it's getting some good traction. And so I'm sure Paris will agree. I encourage all of our listeners and viewers out there, mm -hmm. give it a try. It's on Game Pass, right? There's no excuse. That $60 price tag, we had that conversation during Gamescast, right? Would you? Would you not? And I was like, hey, I would after playing it, but I would prefer to buy this at a sales price, right? $40 or below, I would jump on this with my friends. There's no excuse not to try this. And if you're listening out there, whether you play it solo or with your friends, you should click on this. Play it for a weekend. Give it a try. It is really fun. And it's surprisingly much better than I thought it would be and made for a great experience with me and my friends. So give it a try. It's on Game Pass. No excuses. And I want to bring in Gary to this conversation because, Gary, I know you're a very busy dude. You've been lost in Los Santos. You've been doing the biggest and the baddest stuff. But... I believe the Outriders team and People Can Fly sent you a fun care package to get you involved and get you gaming. Do you want to show off what cool stuff you got? They sent a very, very large box. Um, <laughs> Paris has got one as well. We're trying to get you one, Mike. Um, I want to make sure that everyone on the X-Cast gets, gets equal amounts of love. Very large box. All you know what it's like. They send these boxes, all kinds of goodies. There's beer in it. We gave the beer away because I don't drink. Um, but it's a very, very, here's the thing. So they, you know, I like hot, so they sent some like Technomancer hot sauce. Yes. Have you tried this yet, Paris? But I'm going to give you the same warning that I learned today. I was going to splash it all over my scrambled eggs or whatever in the morning. 
but I saw um, uh, Danny and Blessing yeah. <laughs> uh, doing a taste test thing. Apparently, it's 120,000 Scoville units. Yeah. You don't fuck around with, with that many Scovilles. I, I would have ended up in the hospital if I'd have splashed it all over my scrambled eggs. You got you to treat that shit like it's nitroglycerin. So, you know, they, they send these things. I remember back in the days in PC Gamer, they used to, they send these big boxes all the time trying to get your attention. Uh, the one thing that they did that they did send, and I do really like, and I do thank Square Enix and uh, whoever the PR people are that sent it, the, uh, the Technomancer uh, controller. Look at this. Yeah. You know, we get these lovely special edition controllers yeah. sent to us uh, from time to time. Uh, this one is very cool. Uh, they asked me what character class I wanted, and I noticed that the Technomancer was green. I don't have a green controller yet, so I said, send me this one. Very, very cool. Uh, thanks for that. In terms of the game, yes, I've been, been spending all of my time in Los Santos, as you know, a little bit of time to take twos and play it with my, with my wife and my kid. Um, I got to say, though, all credit to Square, you know, it's a very, very difficult market to, to break into, the looter shooter market, you know, Division, Borderlands. Um, you know, we see a lot of failures with Anthem and stuff like that. It's, it's hard, especially with a new... Uh, a new property, right? Something that isn't already established. Usually the first game, it has the hardest time as it tries to establish a beachhead. And then if it's successful, like the second and third games, now it's a franchise and people are interested, but it's hard to make that first impression. It does seem low though, like they're doing great. The numbers on Steam over on the PC side are incredible. Yeah, I'm seeing some big. of the biggest streamers playing it right now. And the vibe that I'm hearing from people is that it actually does do a very difficult genre, you know, the loot grind looter shooter, that it's doing it about as well as any game has done it before, which is, again, there's a lot, there's a lot more failure than success in this space right now because it's an emergent you know, genre and we're still figuring out like how to make it work. And to your point earlier, what do you do when the hardcore players burn through all the content? And they're like, well, now, what now? What now? You know, it takes a lot more time to build content than it does to consume it so how do you build kind of a repetitive loot grind you know carrot and stick model that is compelling and not boring um and it seems like they've done a good job with it a lot of my friends who've been playing it have been enjoying it like you said it's on game pass i have a ps5 code here as well i've got it on steam i've really got no excuse next time i have a next time i have a, my problem is now is that everyone that i'm playing with they're going to be carrying me right like world tier i don't even know what world tier five is but it sounds a lot farther down the road than where i'm going to be starting <laughs> i don't want to i don't want you i don't want you, you you people to have to carry me but i'll give it i'll give it a try i, I haven't done it i haven't done a shooter in a little while I'll, I'll, I'll definitely investigate well that's really cool i want to give a quick shout out you held up the controller now paris we've talked about pope art before our good friend yes. Xbox, pope he changed his name to pope art but I believe, and I'm pretty, I'm like 99% sure there that Pope Art actually teamed up with Square Enix yeah. to create those controllers and that whole line of cool Outriders controllers. So I want to give a big shout out to him. I love engaging, talking with him and seeing all the awesome art and design that he does. If you're not following him, you can follow him on social media at Pope Art. He's really, really cool, really fun. And he's done some cool custom builds before for just people out in the community, right? He did a personal one for me. He did one for the X cast and kind of funny. It's just like, it's cool to see that Paris. Cause I am not the designer guy. I'm not artistic in any way, shape or form. And like to see him make these Xboxes and controllers. I'm like, man, this, this is really cool. I didn't uh, know that. Agreed. You know? Com completely agree. <laughs> I, I have zero talent when it comes to that. It's just stick figures and the whole thing. Yeah. I've, I've gotten to know uh, Pope a little bit uh, over the past few years. And yeah, he, he's a really good dude, which shout out to window central gaming. The, the show with Miles, which you were on, Mike, and I, I was on last week. Pope is going to be on there this Saturday, and we finally wow. get to see what he looks like. 
oh, it's the oh, big face reveal. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, it's like a Banksy reveal right now. Yeah. It's like, oh my god. Yeah. How did how did that Saturday go with Miles? Of course, Miles, a good friend oh, of myself fantastic. and you and Windows Central. Did you have a good time on? Oh Xbox yeah, yeah, Saturdays? yeah. My, Miles, Miles is great, great guy, great guy. Yeah, absolutely, I would recommend people. And it's only on YouTube. There isn't an, an audio podcast format, unfortunately. So you have to go to YouTube, go to Windows Central Gaming, and uh, yeah, I was on there for a couple hours with them, and we're just because the MLB the show stuff had just happened so we're talking a lot about that and game pass you know a lot of subjects we talk about on here as well but um it was it was a great conversation one thing I do want to circle back to Gary unfortunately you're right I do have my Outriders box but it is literally sitting outside this room and I haven't opened it yet because my plan <laughs> oh, did I, was did I spoil the surprise no no, I'm sorry. no 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 not at all not at all. I already knew because because the reason is I was telling Danny right before we started recording that I was going to try the hot sauce on XCast, like at the end. Oh but, shit! But but I don't I don't have the box because uh, I ran late. Well, go go! You know what? You want to you want to make some premium content, uh, Paris? Go get it. I'll do it with you. No, I'll do it at the end. We don't uh, have to do well, it right now. Okay, no, I'll go, right right go, go grab happen. it at the end, and maybe we'll yeah. put some on a cracker or something. I don't yeah, know. yeah. <laughs> All right, premium premium content. That's yeah. what we do here. Is right. Let's do uh, it. Let's do it. Another thing that we were sent, and we want to give a big, big thank you to the guys and gals over at Team Xbox. They all sent us over the Bang & Olufsen Portal headphones for the Xbox right here. We talked about them last week. Now, this is the first product in the designed for Xbox Limited Series run right here. We had this conversation. These are coming in at $499, and this is the premium, right? This is the top of the top. You guys talked about this name brand here and how cool it is to see Xbox partner up with name brands like this to create a really quality line of products here. And so we talked about that one final time. This were, these were provided by Team Xbox. So thank yes. you to everybody out there for sending that to us. That was really, really generous of you. This arrived yesterday for the three of us. I have, you can tell, still have the plastic wrap on mine. I've not been able to open it up. It's been a busy week here, but I know you two have at least opened it up and can maybe provide me and the viewers out there with just some light impressions or some early impressions if you want to. Paris, I'll start with you. If you sure, have. sure, I'll start because you know I, I threw up that video on 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 social media yesterday where I kind of just did a microphone test with it and uh, just just some quick impressions. So to kind of keep this short and sweet, I'll start with the microphone first. The Xbox wireless headset mic is better in my opinion, which. Um, was surprising to me and people can see the video and see the comparison for themselves. Um, this is absolutely qu a quality build. This, this B&O portal uh, gaming headset, you know, look, look who made it, everything that we talked about last week. It is definitely quality. It is extremely comfortable to wear. The sound reproduction that I've got out of this with music, um, I, I watched a couple movies uh, in Dolby Atmos as well just crisp, crystal clear. There's an app that you can put on your mobile device, which you can do all the setup and everything on there, customize the equalizer, everything you wanna do as far as that goes. Night and day, and I wouldn't even say night and day, but a superior experience to even the Astro A50 is as far as sound quality goes. Definitely superior to that Xbox wireless headset. But, <laughs> and there's a but, and the but is this, it's $500 for these, these headsets or these headphones. And, oh, and it does active noise canceling too as, as well. Does the Bluetooth, can connect directly to your Xbox devices. Like I can connect it on my Windows 10 device using the uh, wireless dongle. All that's great. But the Xbox wireless headset 
is superior in a couple ways. Like I said, the microphone, the fact that you can also do the dual audio with Bluetooth and, and your Xbox, um, your game chat as, as well. You can have both of those, all that going at the same time. So you can be on Discord via Bluetooth with the Xbox wireless headset. You can obviously hear your in-game um, you know, sounds and all that at the same time, and, and it's great. But the, the B&O portal doesn't do that. So that, that's kind of a ding right there. I, I, I'm having a hard time suggesting this to someone at the $500 price point. Is it one of the best gaming headsets you can get as far as sound reproduction and all that goes? Absolutely. I, I, I'm just having a hard time. At, I, if, if I would have spent $500 on this, which I was fully intending to do, again, thank you to Xbox for sending this to us. I almost feel early on I might have some buyer's remorse. Now, to be fair, I want to give this an entire week. Next week, I want to talk about this again because I'm going to literally make this my daily driver, both on Windows 10 and for everything I'm gaming and all that. So I want to give it a fair shot and then make that statement. But early on, that's how I feel. I, I'm kind of struggling at that price point to recommend this to anyone because it is pretty steep. But, you know, it is Bang Olufsen. They obviously make higher end products. They, they, they live at that price point the same as Apple does. So I'm not surprised at the price. I just don't know with the other options out there if it's worth it at that price. So I don't know. That, that's my early thoughts. Some good early thoughts right there, right? Of course, remember, thank you to Team Xbox for sending this, but we got them yesterday. So to put Paris and Gary on the spot, I had to do it because I know they at least opened the box. I haven't gotten that far. But Gary, you talked before the show. You said you had put them on and gave them a little run through. What are you feeling right now as your early impressions? Yeah, I actually got mine uh, today. I guess there was a slight delay with the shipping. So I've only I've, I've had them for, for less long than Paris. But I knew knowing that we were going to record the X-Cast, I ripped them right out of the box and uh, and played around with them a little bit. Here they are, as as, as uh, Paris said, very, you know exactly what you'd expect from one of these kind of premium brands. You know, very very high end uh, build quality. Like you just look at that and go, yeah, that's like a proper set of headphones. Like that's not some cheap shit from Walmart. Like that's this is the real this is the real stuff. And again, we talked about this at length last week. But again, I think just a smart move by Microsoft to associate themselves with a brand like Bang yeah, & Olufsen. Yeah. Bang & Olufsen is one of those brands that like. Like there's all kinds of audiophile brands out there that are like so audiophile, we've never even heard of them, right? Like a real audiophile will tell you, they'll say, oh, these are the headphones that I use. I guarantee you've probably never heard of that brand. But like Banning Olufsen is one of those brands that audiophiles go, oh yeah, that's like, that's 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 really good stuff. But even people who know nothing about audio just know, oh yeah, Bang & Olufsen, that's like the really high end shit, right? They just know. Like Bang & Olufsen has done a great job over the years of marketing itself as, you know, like kind of audiophile quality high end stuff the masses so you know perfect brand for microsoft to you know get into bed with i think it makes a lot of sense in terms of the actual headphones um i played around with them a little bit today uh hooked them up to my phone and my mac and just blasted some music i was listening to listening to some uh best of the jackson five earlier just cranking up those the, the disco beats i wanted to hear, wanted to really hear some bass um and they're yeah they're really good they're really good because so, i'm an idiot i bought the airpods max a while ago oh. which are even more expensive 550 dollars but for me, again, I'm very fortunate that I can afford to buy crazy shit like this. For these, I, th I thought these were worth the money because the sound quality is really fucking great. The noise canceling is fantastic. Yeah. And the transparency mode, which the B&Os also have, by the way, is fantastic. But basically, transparency is the opposite of noise canceling, where the microphones um, on the outside will actually pull in noise from the outside world. So if you're listening 
do what you also want to give someone get your attention you could do that because you're also here in the outside world or you can dial it all the way up to you know the noise cancelling up to maximum and you know the, the 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 world will just disappear it's actually uncanny with the airpods max when you turn on noise cancelling but there's no sound playing it's like it just creates this atmosphere of perfect silence. Like even when you're in a quiet room, you're always aware of like some ambient background noise, just like the the, the the sound that the world makes around you just very, very quietly. But this filters all of that out and you actually hear this almost uncanny level of science, of silence. It's like being in a sensory deprivation chamber. Um, the B&Os do that as well. I don't think the noise canceling is quite as pronounced. You know, the AirPod Max, they really, really go all out. It's not quite as pronounced, but it is also very good. The transparency mode is very good. Uh, the, again, I'm not an audio expert. Like again, the audio files will tell you the difference between a $5,000 set of headphones and a $500 set of headphones. I can't tell the difference. I just know that these sound really, really good. Maybe a little bit louder than the AirPods Max. Um, a couple, a, a couple of, a couple of. You know, I'll give it. I'll, I'll, I'll give you one pro and one con. The con is I don't love the capacitive control bars on the back. I don't know if you've messed with these much, Paris, but there's one for volume oh, I have. And, mm -hmm. and one to kind of slide you between different levels of noise canceling. And transparency i'm I, I i just miss physical buttons i don't love this trend of like everything being a capacitive button you know you never really know you don't you never get that tactile feedback like did it do anything i don't know is the slider actually am i getting any response right now i don't know and so you know you you're kind of a you 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 kind of you know have to surrender yourself surrender yourself to that i don't think it's brilliant um in that regard but you know it works you know the volume slider and the and and the, and the slide is also the nice thing about it is they do different things like for example when you're on a phone call or listening to music that slider on the right side will take you back and forth between noise cancelling and transparency when you're in xbox mode and you're playing a game that slider uh adjusts the volume between the game sound and the chat audio which is also also always really nice to be able to balance the other thing that i will point out and i bet you noticed this as well paris is what do you got there oh is that the app the yeah i was gonna app? yeah because the point i was gonna bring because i agree with you about about the you know the the sliders on, on each side it's easier to just pull up the app and do it oh, that's do it what I, that, right. that's what i've been doing but obviously that's not going to be ideal for everyone right. either yeah sometimes you, know, you, know you know just I mean? want to reach up and do it and not have an extra yeah. device mm -hmm. the other thing that i noticed paris and you may have noticed this as well these weigh about 380 something grams i looked it up <laughs> The Astro 850s that you're wearing right now, that I'm wearing right now, weigh almost exactly the same. These are pretty heavy. Actually, one of the big complaints against the AirPods Max is they're really heavy. 380, 380 grams is pretty heavy. These weigh 282 yeah. grams. They are yeah, way, way lighter. They're mm -hmm. really light and they're really comfortable. And so they do actually kind of feel like they're, they're the kind of headphones where you don't you forget you, you even have them on because they're so light and comfortable. So I'll, I'll give them props for that. Very, very comfortable, very lightweight for a premium headphone. I mean, I, I think that's what it comes back to again. I mean, you're you're definitely paying for some premium quality of life things. Like I said, the comfort level comes out immediately. And then the sound is superior to lesser headsets, especially gaming headsets, right? So I get it. I totally get it. And I understand. And I, I realize, you know, who made them and how much they would be. But I think, you know, obviously talking to our audience here, who's primarily interested in gaming, like we've talked about, I keep going back to the Xbox wireless headset. I mean, think about it. It's it's seventy. It's it's like seventy five percent off for that thing. It's like it's like it's ninety nine dollars. It's a fraction of the price in comparison, and they're good enough. They're good enough for gaming. They have so many features in them. They even have feet some features, in my opinion, that are better than this one, which is five hundred dollars. So it really depends 
what you're trying to use. Like I can totally see me taking these things, knock on wood. when we get back to a world where we can travel, I could use these with my phone and travel and have the active noise canceling going and I'm listening to music and, and I know I'm getting a very quality experience with it. Yes, these will be great to play games with on Gears of War 5 as an example, Dolby Atmos, do it with these, it's great. But if to the average person that is having to go out and buy these, I, I don't know if in good conscience I can tell you unless you're in a position to where five hundred dollars is isn't a big deal to you. Yeah, go get them. Why not? They're great. But if you're kind of struggling with that and you're thinking maybe I should go just get the Astros, which are three hundred or do I go all the way down to ninety nine for the for the Xbox versions? Because that makes more financial sense for me. I can't tell you to go get these because I don't know if you're getting enough out of these that. It's not going to hurt, you know, you're not going to have some buyer's remorse at the end of the day. Yes, they're comfortable. Yes, they sound great. But there are some lesser headsets that actually do a few things a little better than this one does. That's the just thing how about I it, it, Paris, and we talked about this last week is, you know, you, you see this question, well, are they really worth $500? You know, we saw that with the AirPods Max. We're seeing it now with the portals. That, that answer really depends on you, how much yeah, you're willing to does. spend. Mm -hmm. You know, it's like if you're the kind of person who has a lot of money to burn and like price is no object, you just got to have the best. That's the choice for you. But if you're worried about spending a lot of money, then there are, you know, this is the nice, what the thing that I like about Microsoft, uh, what they're doing right now with the headphones is they've got you covered at both ends. There's a $99 yeah. set and the $500 set. And that's even before you start in on all the, you know, the, the third party options, the Astros and things like that that are out there. So there's plenty of options out there. I, I think it's kind of silly to complain about price because again, if they're too expensive, if you think they're too expensive, they're not marketed. They're not for you. They're they're for other. They're for people that don't care about how much money they spend. And the one and it's not like you're being left out in the cold. They have the ninety nine dollar ones, which are more than good enough. So something for everyone. Yeah, and thank you both. Definitely agree. Thanks for the quick impressions. Of course, we've had them for twenty four hours. Next week, like Paris said, we'll dive deep on these. We'll really give you our impressions. We'll talk more about these. But these are. The first set and first pair of the Designed for Xbox Limited series, right? And pairs, you said it so well last week, right? Xbox is giving you, the player, choice, right? Yeah. You have choices. You have options, which is the coolest part about this, right? We could have just come out with this and been like, hey, this is the only headset we got, right? But no, they got you covered on both ends, like Gary said, and having choice is really something special. So thanks for talking about that with me and the viewers out there, you too. And we'll talk more about it next week as we get to dive deeper into these headphones. But, geez, we got to start the show, I guess. So let's jump into some <laughs> housekeeping news. This oh my God, is... Did we not start the show yet? We've been <laughs> we haven't even like started. An hour started. almost. I, I've right. lost track of time. I've had too much fun. So this is the Kind of Funny X cast. We post each Lurids. and every Saturday at 6 a.m. West Coast, Best Coast time. That Saturday morning might be changing very, very soon. But you can catch us over on YouTube.com slash Kind of Funny Games on RoosterTeeth.com and on podcast services around the globe. Please do me a favor, whether you're listening on your favorite podcast service or whether you're over here on YouTube, leave a comment, drop a like, subscribe to the channel, and let us know what you think of the episode. What do you think of the Kind of Funny X cast and how we can have more fun with you, the best friends in the audience out there, because we love engaging with all of you and we love sharing the fun and the enthusiasm around gaming and around Xbox. We'd like to thank our Patreon producers, Mick, the nanobiologist, Tom Bach, Elliot, James Hastings, Sancho West Gaming, Julian, the gluten-free gamer, Trent Berry, and Tyler Ross. Of course, this episode of the Kind of Funny X-Cast is sponsored by Upstart, but we'll get into that a little bit later. Guys, let's jump into the show. 
because we've talked a lot and there's even more to talk about. We got another Jeff Grubb, Jeff Grubb bombshell. My good friend, friend of the show, Jeff Grubb has shaken the internet once again, Paris and Gary, and it's wild out there. Things are getting heated. Things are getting wild and we got to talk about it. Of course, Jeff Grubb shared this week. It all started just earlier this week after we saw a new game over on the PlayStation 5 side called Abandoned. And a lot of gamers out there thought that that was going to be a Kojima production game. Well, turns out it is not. So Jeff Grubb has taken out two games beat where you can go catch his article right now. And he has said that the biggest piece of evidence I have that Abandoned is not a Kojima joint is that Kojima is in talks with Microsoft about publishing his next game, according to a source familiar with the matter. And yes, that statue on Phil Spencer's shelf was referencing a potential deal with the legendary developer. I cannot confirm if Xbox has closed the deal yet, but my understanding is that Kojima is the focus of a Microsoft plan to leverage Japanese talent. As well, he was in the Kind of Funny Games Daily chat today, and he wrote in the chat and he said that he believes the deal is currently with the lawyers now. Paris Lilly, we've talked about Kojima Productions, we've talked about Konami, we've talked about Microsoft and their partnerships. We're, we got the pot stirring here. Jeff Grubb dropped another bomb out there. What do you think about this, Kojima Productions and Xbox? Um, I think there's a lot of potential there. And I, I want to clear one thing really quick because social media obviously loses nuance sometimes when you say certain things. Because obviously this has been a rumor since yesterday when, when Grubby, Grubby Grub dropped it. And my whole thought on it is this, if, if this actually does become a reality and there's a partnership between Kojima and um, Xbox, I think this will allow him to, con to continue, keyword there, to continue having the creative freedom and most importantly have the budget to keep innovating in the space, to keep making amazing experiences, because ultimately that's what it should be about. And of course, social media spun that into, you're saying Death Stranding wasn't in What are you saying? It's like, this, I'm not talking about Death Stranding. I'm basically saying yes to build upon what he's I already mean, was started. Death with Stranding Death really innovative though? Come on. <laughs> hey, I leave that up to other people to, to decide. You get my point though. That was clearly his vision. That's what he wanted to do. PlayStation partnered with him to make that a reality. And it is what it is. My point is he's now chasing the next partnership and the next opportunity, be it with a PlayStation again, be it with Xbox or whatever the case. We don't know. I mean, this is obviously all rumor. I guess the, the whole point of this is being an Xbox centric show. Xbox is clearly being aggressive. They clearly want to make a mark in Japan. So why not go try and partner with, with Kojima and basically through him use that as a way to hopefully influence more Japanese developers to want to start making games for the platform because they want to have a Japanese presence. He's quote unquote, a free agent right now. You go do it. I mean, obviously they they're being very aggressive and they have the, the um, what's the word I'm looking for. They have the, the finances to uh, make it happen potentially. And if Grubb is correct and it's in the lawyer stage, then it potentially could be imminent. They just might be dotting I's and crossing T's at this point. So I think it's a good thing. It's it's exciting to see as a gamer, then hopefully this happens. And, you know, in three or four or five years, we'll, we'll get to see the next great thing that comes from Kojima. Yeah, you said it well, Paris. I think let's take a step back as just a gamer. This is exciting, right? This is a yeah. creative mind that we all love and adore, right? He's put out so many incredible IPs and games that we really enjoy, right? And, We've gotten freaky weird with Kojima, and that's what yeah. we want, right? Like, 
the coolest part is he is now independent with Kojima Productions. And I know that name, when you hear it, you think of PlayStation, right? We've grown up with that. We've always believed that, right? But it is really cool to see him get the support from different publishers and different teams all around the globe and go out there and help him fund his next big project, right? And if Microsoft's the one to do that, it is awesome to see people go out and be like, hey, I love what you do. I do see a great partnership between us, like you said, that could influence a whole lot more than just let me support this next project, right? But it is cool to be like, hey, you're doing great work and we want to see more of that. And I hope that he gets weird with it, right? Let's just continue to get wild and weird because it's cool. It's different. It's fun. And you don't see that that much in this gaming space. And he's one of the leaders in that. So on the Xbox side, yeah, of course, this would be a big win for them, right? It'd be a lot of fun as an Xbox gamer to hang your hat on that, to be able to see what they're going to do and the partnership that leads with that, the influence now to have that flag over there to say, hey, let's talk with more Japanese developers because we've worked with him and see if that can help us. That's a big one that they've always wanted to tackle, like you said, Paris, and yep. that could really help out. So that's a, a cool one for me. And as a gamer, of course, anyway, it's like funding Kojima is an awesome one, right? That team is working hard to create cool games. This is what we want to see for sure. Gary, what do you think? Yeah, it makes a lot of sense to me, especially in light of the recent trends that we've been seeing where, you know, we've been seeing these kind of weirdly kind of high profile uh, defections. Like just a week ago, right, we were talking MLB was the big bomb, right? A, a franchise that has, from the very beginning, been associated as a Sony franchise, a Sony exclusive. Now it comes over. Now, now it's not only on Xbox. It's actually the best version on Xbox because, you know, it's on Game Pass. If you've got the subscription, you don't even need to buy the game. So, you know, a lot of people are still kind of tearing their hair out about that one. Oh, my God, you know, MLB on Xbox, cats and dogs living together, mass hysteria, everyone's freaking out. Now, here comes the next big one, Kojima. Kojima's potentially an even bigger one, right? Yes, you know, the original Metal Gear was, was an MSX and an NES title before, you know, the PlayStation even existed. But Metal Gear Solid was where Kojima really, you know, kind of became a big deal and became famous on the PlayStation all the way through to you know to Death Stranding on the on the on the PlayStation 4, um, Kojima has has is, is always like if you say ask anyone in those games what you know game platform do you associate Hideo Kojima with they're going to say Sony they're going to say PlayStation well maybe not anymore the like you like, like Paris mentioned Kojima is a free agent he can do whatever he wants he's got complete autonomy and there's a lot of people willing to pay him a lot of money to yeah. come to their platform as we're seeing. Um, from Kojima's standpoint, I'm almost thinking, would you want to go to the Xbox? Because, you know, like the one thing that we know about Xbox over the years, they've tried and tried again, but they've always failed. They cannot make a dent in Japan. The Japanese market does just not give a shit about the Xbox. I actually don't know what's currently happening with the Series X and, and, and X, if it's making any more inroads into Japan than the 360 and the original Xbox. But, you know, like the, the number, the, the, the Xbox sales numbers historically in Japan have been pathetic. Like they just have not been able to make a dent in the Nintendo and Sony um you know power domination that they that they've historically enjoyed in japan they've tried they've tried so many times i remember with the 360 they actually put quite a lot of money into japanese like developed jrpg style games to try and get japanese audiences to to take the xbox more seriously they just couldn't do it but let me tell you if there's one person if there's one uh power grab that they could make one you know key sign and they could make that would make the japanese market sit up and listen it would be Hideo Kojima. And if Hideo Kojima says my next game is going to be an exclusive on Xbox, 
Japanese gamers are going to go out and buy Xboxes. He's the like one of the one of the only guys on the planet that could move the needle for Xbox. So maybe that's why it's 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 worth it to them. They're thinking obviously it's a big deal globally. Kojima is a global brand, but in Japan, in Japan, maybe this is the one thing that could actually make a dent in that market for us. Microsoft has been backing up the money truck for a while now. Seven million for the Bethesda. Potentially ten million. Sorry, seven billion for the yeah, for Bethesda. Billion. So yeah, that, that would have been cheap, right? Yeah. Um, seven billion for the for Bethesda. Potentially ten billion for Discord, if the numbers we're hearing uh, coming through the rumor mill are correct. And I wouldn't be surprised if it was if it was a similar massive massive amount of money to Kojima for like you know an exclusive deal for his next you know one two three games or whatever. It would be huge. It would be seismic. We don't know if it's going to happen, but we're living in a reality now where crazy shit's happening all the time. If it happened, you'd be kind of like, man, that's crazy, but okay. Like, you wouldn't think the universe is collapsing. You'd be like, we, we, uh, uh, Xbox has been so aggressive with these big signings, with Game Pass, with bringing MLB over, with Bethesda, with Discord. Kojima just seems like the next logical step in all of these very, very aggressive uh, moves that Xbox is making right now to try and close the gap uh, that, ex- that has existed between the last for the last couple of generations between them and uh, and um and Sony. And I would love to see it. I would love to see it. I mean, we can argue all day about, you know, how original or what, how good a game Death Stranding is. I personally didn't enjoy it. It wasn't my cup of tea. But I admire the hell out of the fact that it exists. Like, who else could make a game like that? Only Hideo, Hideo Kojima, who's got such a reputation. One of the few guys in the business can say, you know what? I'm just going to give me give me the $200 million. I'm going to make the game. You'll see, it's when it, you'll see it when it's finished. I don't want to see any creative notes. I don't want any executives from Sony or whatever sticking their nose in. You'll see it when it's done. You just got to trust me. Hideo Kojima is one of the few guys on the planet that can pull that off and get that kind of creative control. He did it with Death Stranding, which is why the game is as wacky as it is. There's no way that game goes through any typical Activision or EA AAA studio development process at that budget range and doesn't get noted to death and compromised and all the wacky shit gets filtered down or diluted or taken out. Like that can only happen when someone like Kojima is given full creative control. So I would love to see that happen. Let's see what, what's the next wacky shit that he can do with a with a big budget and no and no creative interference. I you love to see it. I actually have a question for you that on that, Gary, because I'm I'm thinking about it as you're talking. What if this isn't as simple as, hey, let's throw a bunch of money at Kojima so he can make his next game? And and, and I'm thinking into the past, and maybe maybe you can correct me if you remember in, through the history. But wasn't at one point wasn't Peter Molyneux like the head of Xbox Europe or something like that with with Lionhead? Like he was overseeing more than just Lionhead, but other studios in Europe. Am, am yeah, I off I on that? I don't remember exactly what the deal was, but I remember he's, you know, he did Bullfrog first and he founded Lionhead and Microsoft bought Lionhead and paid him a lot of money. And I think that did involve him. Again, don't hold me to this. Right, Um, right. Yeah, yeah. Because my memory is as fuzzy as yours, but I think that he, I think he may have had some kind of internal role at Microsoft where he was, you know, kind of grandmastering some, some strategy or overseeing, you know, kind of more holistic aspects of game development. I don't know. I don't remember. Um, I don't know, and I don't necessarily know if the two things are um, are related. If they, if because if they would do so, are you suggesting they might bring Kojima in as some kind of grandmaster of game development or something? That, like that, a, that, like that's exactly what, Yeah, that's exactly what I'm saying. Where, like you you mentioned at the top, they've always struggled in Japan. It's not a secret. Phil Spencer himself has said. He wants to do better in Japan. Before the pandemic, he was going over there, obviously meeting with studios. 
um, um, look, shameless plug, when we got to interview him a year ago, he'd even mentioned that was kind of one of the things that that has bugged him about seeing Japanese games not showing up on Xbox. He wants more of that relationship. So, again, what if this was even bigger than Kojima just getting a boatload of money to make whatever he wants to make? What if this is to put him into we're going to make you our figurehead? And our figure has the wrong word, but make you basically our point person in Japan. Like you're going to lead our effort in Japan. So in other yep. words, not only is he making the things he wants to make, he's he's actively recruiting in other Japanese talent no, I mean, so they can also make what they want to make. Yeah. It's not that different to the role that uh, Miyamoto has has kind of evolved yeah. into at Nintendo, mm-hmm. right? Where he, you know, he designs his own games, but he also kind of oversees the entire kind of creative vision um for the company in many ways i think you're right i mean i could totally see that i could see phil spencer making an offer to kojima where he says okay here's what it's going to look like you're you're going to develop your own tentpole game that's going to because it's not one thing or the other he can do both right you're going to develop your own tentpole game and that's going to be at the center of this effort but we also want you to oversee um you know xbox like xbox japan's like creative vision like you're going to be the guy that spearheads um you know xbox gaming in japan and that means work you know bringing in some, uh, other developers working with third-party studios working with indies and you're going to be the guy at the top who's like the chief vision officer for you know xbox japan. i think that would be cool i would love to yeah see what would come out i mean i mean and and i could be wrong about about his his position at bethesda but i'm, I'm thinking of it like this you you kind of have matt booty as your head of quote-unquote xbox game studios and just for pretend let's just say it's pete hines is the head of bethesda's effort now Kojima is the head of Xbox's effort in Japan, right? Like he gets to kind of oversee and help curate that and, you know, and elevate others to make like maybe they they start new studios in Japan or something like that. And he gets to kind of oversee that. So they get built from the ground up and they're making new titles that would cater to a Japanese audience. Right. I mean, you know, I'm just spitballing here, but I I almost feel like there's got to be more to this story other than kojima's gonna make a game that's gonna be on xbox because if we go back in history correct me if i'm wrong but when they kicked off that 2013 e3 media event it was metal gear 5 and kojima walked out on stage so it's not like they don't already have a relationship with him but this one just going by what grub is saying and just what, what you see people seeing at this point in time seems to be an even bigger deal than that this time around so i i am very curious ultimately what, what it's going to be maybe he's just making a game and i'm oh, pie I mean, in the I sky mean, but no I, I i i like kind of the the, the kind of the, the the like stepping back and thinking about it in terms of not just one game but a bigger effort again it may the, the more you talk about it in, in in a grander scale the more and more sense it makes for me again microsoft is still struggling you know they're obviously doing very very well in their own right right now you know the the, the new the new consoles are a hit you know people are like loving game pass but they're still behind sony there's no two ways about it sony is still number one right and has been for yeah. a while and you know the everything that microsoft's doing right now is is designed to both in its own right increase you know xbox and make it better but you know they're also in a race they're in a war with sony it's a competitive situation and there's no you know i see every comment thread ah but sony's still number one you know the sony fanboys love pointing out the number one every but every time microsoft makes one of these moves like mlb coming over or, or or Bethesda titles are now you know are going to be exclusive. Or again, let's just imagine that this happens. Kojima is now is is now part of the Xbox family, part of the Xbox brand. It just chips away at that narrative, and it and yeah. and, you know, it's, and 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 the idea that the, the kind of this fatalistic idea that Sony would just always be number one because they're light years ahead. It's like maybe one day you wake up and that's not the case anymore. And and the kind of moves that Xbox is making right now are maybe that's part of what gets you there. Yeah. 
completely agree. I mean, it, it's funny because, you know, I'm, I'm on Clubhouse and stuff a lot. And there's there's this one weekly gaming session that I'm in um, where we talk about all this stuff. And the conversation this week was basically about the MLB, the show stuff and Game Pass and all that. But the whole point of it was, again, Xbox has really started to lay the foundation that if they get their internal studios right, if they start cranking out hit after hit after hit, that is competing with the PlayStation, like you're saying, that narrative could literally flip overnight, potentially. We're not there yet. I mean, they got to actually show that that these that these studios are making compelling games that people want to play. But you see the aggression that's happening right now. You you see what they're they're attempting to do. And um, I mean, it's exciting to see, to be honest with you, because I, I, I want a super competitive Xbox against PlayStation where there isn't a, a quote unquote clear cut leader where there's just holy shit, both PlayStation and Xbox are making great things. This is awesome. Let's we benefit. I mean, I, I've been starting to in terms of the optics, I've been starting to see, you know, I get because I watch a lot of YouTube uh, gaming videos on YouTube. You know, the algorithm recommends gaming to <laughs> yeah. me all uh, these videos all the time. And I'm seeing a lot of these big YouTubers that run their own gaming channels. Some of them, you know, they get millions of hits, some of these guys. And, you know, I've seen a trend lately. A lot of these videos, Xbox is killing it right now. They're making Sony look lazy. Like, why, like, why isn't so? What's Sony doing? You know, Bethesda, Discord, uh, MLB, you know, people are talking about Kojima now. Like, what's, where, where's, where's the, where's the aggression? Where's the hunger on the Sony side? Are they resting on their laurels? This is a tortoise and hare type situation. We don't know. But, and, and we don't know where it's all going to go. But right now, right now, I'm loving the, the the aggression. I'm loving the hunger from Microsoft. They really seem to, they seem to just want it a little bit more at this point. Yeah, I, I honestly think because that that's another thing um, I've, I've I've seen a lot. Like, why isn't PlayStation doing anything? What's going on with PlayStation? I don't think they're resting on their laurels. I just think Xbox is being overly aggressive right now. I mean, in a quote unquote standard gaming year, you wouldn't see this much gaming news coming from one particular brand as much as we, we've seen with Xbox this year. It's very unique in that situation. I, I honestly just feel like PlayStation is like, hey, we know we got Returnal coming. We know we got Ratchet and Clank coming. We'll wound this summer and everything will be right with the world. It, hey, it's, it's been working, so I don't, I don't see why they would need to change from that. I don't think they need to quote unquote panic or, or deviate from that because Xbox is being aggressive. I think they cl clearly need to pay attention to what Xbox is doing and, you know, make make a note of it so that if, if they do need to pivot at some point in the future, they can. I just don't think they really need to right now. I think, again, it's more of Xbox is still in catch up mode and we're, we're seeing it happening real time where they're trying to catch up quickly. And I, and I truly do think they will. I think I think by the time we get to holiday 2022, that's when we're truly going to start to see the fruits of the of the labor of all these internal studios and what they've been working on. I mean, the pandemic has obviously slowed things down, but that's when I think, especially now that Bethesda is on board, you're really going to start to see more unique and diverse, you know, titles coming from from Microsoft Game Studios. And, and again, it's exciting. Some more exciting stuff when we keep up with not only Jeff Grubb, but another friend of the show, our good friend from Windows Sent from windows central gaming jazz cordon put out a tweet right there and made you say say yeah. what yeah. so let's continue with the say what section of the show right now of course jazz over from windows central gaming and one of my favorite xbox podcasts the xbox 2 podcast with randall thor just tweeted out don't count out xbox global publishing either i emojis some really interesting partnerships in the work swirl emoji 
So there I am going, Jez, what the heck are you talking about? I got Paris giving the eyeballs. I got everybody and their mother in the Xbox community <laughs> giving their eyeballs. And Jez is always fun. He's always out there having a good time. Now, Paris, what the heck does swirl emoji mean to me and you and all the Xbox gamers out there? Is this a Kojima thing with Jeff Grubb? Is this something totally different? What is Jez doing to me on social media? Uh, okay, I have another conspiracy, Steve, on this one. Oh, give and, it to me. <laughs> and the swirl, I think, yeah, obviously, it could be Ubisoft. Who knows what? Jez, who knows these days? Jez is, could just be trolling everyone. I, I love him. But it made me think again. And, and this kind of goes back to the whole thing where we were talking last week about Game Pass, where it kind of clicked with me with Bungie. Obviously, no brainer. I, I kind of see why Destiny 2 was on Game Pass. We talked about that. But let's stick with Bungie for a second. So you talk about global partnerships. That To me, that's saying that you're getting an independent studio or another third-party studio to make a game that is being published by Microsoft Game Studios is kind of how I see it, right? So... We, we know the history of, of Xbox and Bungie. We know they um, had a little breakup there in, in, in the late you know 2000s. And uh, obviously that wind up them going to Activision, Destiny, the rest is history. They have seemed to have made up here in the past few years. Phil Spencer obviously has done some streams with Pete Parsons, with Destiny. Obviously, Phil Spencer, again, is a huge Destiny guy. Xbox, Bungie seem to be on a, on a great relationship. Obviously, the Game Pass deal. We know... Bungie is making a second IP to go parallel with Destiny 2. The rumors I saw was something like maybe 2025. What if a deal was made that Microsoft is, is helping to fund that effort and maybe co-publish it along with Bungie and it winds up being an Xbox game that is on Gamepad? Not even that it's it's completely um, you know exclusive, but what if it's just, hey, we worked out this deal. We're going to work closely with Bungie. We're going to make sure that it's on our platform on Game Pass Day 1 and we're going to help co-publish it. That, that's my wacky theory, because I could totally see something like that happen. I love the wacky theories. And whenever Jez comes out with something fun, yeah. you know, everybody's <laughs> going out there. And of course, now I'm scrolling through all the comments, right? I'm like, <laughs> swirl, what does swirl mean to me, right? And of course, you immediately think of Ubisoft, right? And we've talked about Ubisoft and that possible partnership and what that could be, similar to what we see with EA and EA Play, right? Bringing that over to Game Pass could be a killer deal, right? To add on to all of those incredible titles in that would be great. But I kept scrolling right past. I was like, I got to keep going into this. I got to see what this world yeah, is. Yeah. People were putting out Dreamcast logos. I was laughing. <laughs> I was chuckling that, yeah. at that. But I will say yeah. there was one that did catch my eye, and that was Iron Galaxy. And I was like, man, that's actually a good one because I know my good friend Jez loves to bring up Killer Instinct and how Microsoft is slacking in that fighting games category and always brings up, like, what's going on with Killer Instinct? Will we ever see that again and i said well you know what iron galaxy has a swirl logo and i took a look they're a really big support studio out there and they actually were the lead developers on season two and season three of killer instinct of course founder was dave lang you have chelsea blasco blasco over there and adam boys and i'm like man maybe iron galaxy and of course we put our tinfoil hats on and we have some fun but a good one there over on the twitter verse gary swirls eye emojis rumors mills fun having good times where we at gary tell me all about it i mean this is all part of the fun isn't it Just <laughs> yeah it is it is it's it's fun. these rumors and like they leave these little clues it's like a little almost like an arg like the puzzles the trailer breadcrumbs everyone's speculating it's part it's part of the fun i don't think the killer instinct uh call is the worst one in the world that's a game that certainly could use a refresh 
you look at, I mean, and, and it is one of Microsoft's, you know, that's practically a classic franchise. I mean, I remember, I mean, yeah, it obviously started as a, um, uh, as a, what was it, like an N64 title when it first, uh, when it first started, it was a coin op and a. I think so. I, yeah, yeah, it was then, in the arcades. I remember it in the arcades. Yeah, because it was, yeah. Yeah, mm -hmm. but then you know it was Rare that developed it. Mm. Rare, you know, was was purchased by Microsoft. Now it's now it's a Microsoft franchise. Um, fighting game market is is a tough one, right? I don't know. I'm not an expert, but you know, there's a handful of games out there that are considered the legit ones. More, you know, where Mortal Kombat is right now. I I, I look at these. I I I watched a, a YouTube video the other day. It was all the fatalities in Mortal Kombat 11. And I'm like, holy shit, these, these fucking games are off the hook now. Like, I mean, you know, not only is it obviously just incredibly, incredibly violent and also like itchy and scratchy levels of ways that you can like do horrible things to one another. But the visual fidelity on Mortal Kombat 11 is just absolutely stunning. It's the best, fight, best looking fighting game I've ever seen. You go back to even the most recent version of Killer Instinct, you think, man, that's like light years behind. So if Microsoft, yeah, we talked about it before, Microsoft wants to get, wants to get into the cutesy platformer game Banjo, we can't, we can't do an X-Cast without mentioning Banjo, right? Banjo-Kazooie is on the bench. <laughs> put, yeah. put him back in the game. And if they decided that there's money on money to be made in the fighting games business, bringing back Killer Instincts probably makes a lot of sense as well. So who knows? Who knows? We're really, really pie in the sky here. We're just kind of making it up as we go. But again, it, it's all good because we are living in a world right now where the shit that Microsoft is actually doing on the regular is so crazy that like, it doesn't matter what the next crazy thing is. You just kind of go, sure, why not? Like that's the world we're living in now. You know, crazy shit's happening all the time. So Killer Instinct coming back, Banjo coming back, Kojima, you know, becoming like, mr xbox japan like who knows it's, it's all on the table it's all possible yep agreed always fun stuff well that is the pie in the sky rumor mill roundup that we got going on of course jeff grubb dropping the bombs you can go check him out over at games beats and of course jez our good friend over at windows central gaming check him out on the podcast they are both insightful they're very well-known industry insiders and when they speak you always take notice so it was fun over that throughout the week but let's talk about something else that's coming back into our lives right after a moment with our sponsor. This week, the Kind of Funny X-Cast is brought to you by Upstart. When it comes to paying off debt, it can often feel like an uphill battle. High interest rates resulting in minimum monthly payments keeps you in an endless cycle of debt. Upstart can help you get ahead. Upstart is the fast and easy way to pay off your debt with a personal loan all online. Whether it's paying off credit cards, consolidating high interest debt, or funding personal expenses, over half a million people have used Upstart to get a simple fixed monthly payment. Unlike other lenders, Upstart looks at more than just your credit score, like your income and employment history. This means they can offer you smarter rates with trusted partners. When Greg moved to SF 50 years ago, the loan he took out didn't factor in anything but his credit score. He got a terrible rate and Upstart could have really helped him. With a five minute online rate check, you can see your rate upfront for loans between $1,000 to $50,000. You can receive funds as fast as one business day after accepting your loan. Find out how Upstart can lower your monthly payments today when you go to upstart.com slash kindoffunny. That's upstart.com slash kindoffunny. Don't forget to use the URL to let them know we sent you. Loan amounts will be determined based on your credit, income, and certain other information provided in your loan application. Go to upstart.com slash kind of funny. Welcome back, everybody. We got a special one here, something that we've talked about before, you two, and something that's coming back to life here throughout the summer. E3 is back, and it's got some help with Xbox. So I'll read directly from the E3 news post. It says, 
It's game on for E3 as the Entertainment Software Association, ESA, officially unveils plans for a reimagined all-virtual E3 2021 that will engage video game fans everywhere. With early commitments from Nintendo, Xbox, Capcom, Konami, Ubisoft, Take-Two Interactive, Warner Bros. Games, Coke Media, and more to come, E3 2021 will take place this June 12th through June 15th. Developers will be showcasing their latest news and games directly to fans around the world. The ESA will be working with media partners globally to help amplify and make this content available to everyone for free. Paris, Gary, we missed it all last summer. It was the summer games mess, as our good friend Jeff Grubb liked to coin the term there. It was a wild summer last year, and of course, COVID-19 really took precedence, right, as everything changed throughout the month of March through that spring into summer, and E3 really tried their best and backed out right at the last moment and fully actually canceled, which led to everybody out there doing their own thing throughout the summer. And when I say everybody out there doing their own thing, there was a lot, guys. I mean, I actually did the quick rundown of things. You had two Xbox showcases. Sony had their console reveal. Nintendo had something in September. EA Play in June. Devolver Digital in July. Ubisoft Forward in July and September. IGN Summer of Gaming. Guerrilla Collective. Summer Games Fest. New Game Plus Expo. Night City Wires. There was so much. And I'm not mad as a gamer. I love all this, right? But we missed that moment, Harrison, Gary, where it was just the week of video game news, the week of video game hype and all the fun showcases. Now we see E3 is coming back with some support from some big time names. Paris, what does this mean to you? Is this the move? Is this gonna help us throughout this summer with all the announcements? Well, I first have to say, uh, Mr. Gary Witta, I have officially lost my bet. I am conceding. <laughs> you, what happened? Sir, because on, on Kind of Funny Daily, uh, Tuesday with Greg. Remember, I, I chimed in and I was like, there is no way they're going to have Starfield or Halo Infinite at this E3. They're not doing that. They're going to do it later. I'm wrong. They're going to do it. It's going to happen. You're, you're right. You're, you're did you just right. change your mind on that or do you have new information? Uh, uh, no, just just kind of reading tea leaves <laughs> and just seeing that why do if, if they're going to have a presence during this this virtual E3, you might as well just go ahead. If you're going to have a press briefing and the whole thing, just do it big. Do it all right then and there. Microsoft Can't is not believe, doing anything small right now. Can't yeah. believe John uh, BX32 has been right all along in saying that Starfield is going to be this year, you know? I don't... Oh, we vilified no, 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 the man no, no, on no, PS I Love You, XO. You took it too far. You took it too far. That's too far. I am far. not saying it's coming out this year. <laughs> I've always said you're going to see it this year. We'll see it. It'll be at E3. But TBD if it actually makes it to this year. But no, Gary, you're right. I, I, I do think... At this point, it kind of just makes sense for them that whatever big event that they're going to do, you they might as well just do it all during E3. I mean, look, they just dropped seven yeah. billion yeah. on Bethesda. This is yeah. the next, the first big event they're going to do. They're going to want to show whatever yeah. the new mm -hmm. thing is, right? That's the perfect, the perfect forum for it. So, yeah, good to have you aboard, Paris. Yeah, I, hey, I, I, can, I can admit when I'm wrong. I, I thought about it like the next day, and I go, "Damn it, he's right. It's going to happen." <laughs> But, but hey, again, exciting. It goes back to what you're saying, Mike. I mean, this kind of, you know, it's going to be virtual, which, again, is 99.9% .9 of most people, they watch E3 virtually anyway. So from that perspective, not much is going to change. But, yeah, go just go ahead. Have your big event. Maybe they do it, like, on the 13th or something because that is a Sunday, and that's typically when they have their big media showcases anyways uh, during E3. So they could do it during the 13th. 
have their big Xbox event. It sounds like what again going by Grub. Grub is what what is he? Um famous leaker. What what was the thing they called him? Anyways, but <laughs> it looks like he whatever he may potentially know, it does sound like they're gonna split the events, which I'm actually surprised by, and not integrate Bethesda into whatever they're gonna show. Like they're gonna have two events. If that's true, okay, just do it all on the 13th and just literally own that day because that's all people are going to talk about. Let me tell you, Jeff Grubb certainly leaked when he tried to stream snipe me in PUBG and I shot him in the head. I think he pissed his pants. <laughs> Didn't see that one coming. Yeah. Um, I, yeah, so I actually, so I think it is a little bit different, Paris. Um, yes, most people watch these at home, obviously. There's many, 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 many people watching at home than there are like in the auditorium. But the difference is that you usually do get to people when you're watching at home, you do kind of feed off the energy of the people who are in the auditorium, right? Mm -hmm. You're breathtaking, Keanu Reeves, the whole thing. Like there's that live, you know, this, we've seen this in sports, right? I've been watching Premier League football now for the past year playing in front of empty stadiums and they have to pipe in the fake crowd noise because it's dead. It's dead without a live yeah. crowd, right? That's one thing we learned real quick. Um, and, you know, we've been doing this now for long enough. You know, we're past a year that we've been living with COVID and the lockdown that we've already seen like a whole round of companies, whether it be, you know, Sony, Apple, uh, Microsoft, you know, a lot of these companies have already done these big events where, you know, it's basically a pre-recorded video package and there's no real crowd or they have a very small socially distanced crowd. And you know, something has definitely been lost. There is just something about a big crowd, whether it's a sports event or a music, you know, concert like a stadium arena or a big, you know, splashy Sony Ubisoft, you know, Microsoft type event. You know, they they always make a big deal out of the crowd, and they have the crowd shots and the reactions and the hootering, hollering. We're not gonna we, again. We're gonna go another year without that. And the question you have to try and find a way to communicate the excitement without you know feeding off the energy of a live. Uh, audience but we've been doing yeah, we've been doing this for a while now right we've been living with this yeah. reality for a while so i think you know we've kind of kind of come to accept it it will probably be the last time around that we have to do this you know god willing by the end of the year we'll be back to you know big live events and things like that as the world goes back to normal so this will probably be the last time we have to go through something like this hopefully um and you know, I've got bigger thoughts about whether or not we do need one big unified event every year, or it's fine just to have all these different events, you know, EA Play, Sony State of Play, Inside Xbox, Nintendo Direct. I, I personally, if I if I were one of these big companies, I wouldn't have anything to do with E3. I'm like, listen, we're Xbox, we're, we're Nintendo. People are going to watch us whenever we do our event. Why do I want to be part of a news cycle where I get to I, I get to own the news cycle in the morning, but three hours later, everyone's talking about what Sony's unveiling because they're coming later in the right. day. I would rather do it on my own timetable, on my own terms. But there's a lot of eyes on E3 for sure. They, they I understand why you want to be part of a bigger event. It's a long-standing tradition at this point. You're gonna, you're gonna see all the hype. You, you again, you're just not gonna have the hooting and the hollering that we that we typically get when we have a live audience, and that's a shame. Something is definitely lost, but I think, and, and don't forget, the ESA they have to make money, right? E3, they're a business, and E3 is where they make a lot of money. They had to, they they had to bench it last year because you know it went down to the last minute with COVID, and they didn't have time to pivot to a virtual event, um, uh, really. Uh, this year, you know, if they're smart and the ESA, who the fuck knows? Um, but you know, they have they've they've had a year to prepare for this, right? They they probably knew for like, ever since they had to they had to bench the last E3 that they might well have to do the next one virtually as well. So hopefully they've put together like a good they, they've got a good strategy, a good package, a way to make this E3 as exciting as possible as a virtual only event. But who the hell knows? The ESA screws up all the time. So who the hell knows? Yeah.
what to expect. It's really exciting. And uh, I'll pull the Phil Spencer tweet because I think that was really well said and something that we'll touch on here in a moment. But he wrote, glad to see the games industry coming together again in June for a digital E3. This and other summer events are proof that our industry is strongest when we work together. Looking forward to share what we have in store this summer. And it's fun. You know, Gary, you touched on it, right? If you were one of these bigger companies, you'd say, hey, I can do my own thing. I don't need you, right? And I think when you look at all sides of it, it is really awesome to see Phil and the team come in here and support the ASA and E3 and say, hey, we're here for you alongside Nintendo and other larger publishers because I really do believe when those big guys are there, everybody else gets to share in the spotlight as well, right? If Paris is there, that makes me take note of everyone around him, right? And that means the same for Xbox and Nintendo, right? If they show up and they have a great conference, that means I'm going to see the smaller teams as well because I'm locked in for that whole week. I'm searching the IGNs. I'm watching all the conferences. And they might not get the giant spotlight like Xbox will, but at least they'll be there and they'll be uplifted by these larger companies around them. So I really love seeing Phil, who has always talked to us and all the community about it's a team effort, right? It's all of us in this together. And it is nice to see the video game industry rally together after what was last summer where it was dragged out. We were lost. We didn't know what Tuesday or which Thursday anybody was going on, right? Except for those big dogs. And we felt bad for the smaller teams. And I think it is exciting to see all of us rally behind this date and say, hey, here we are. But Paris, I'll go to you on this question of like, you know, I got blessed to go to E3 in 2019. And I always heard that, well, Microsoft isn't really part of E3. They're there, but they're not. And like, you don't understand it when you're outside, right? Because when you watch it, you see the conference, you think, oh, right. that's great. And people are going different directions. But you don't actually see the street in between, right? Where there's the LA Convention Center with E3. And then you actually have to leave the building, go over to the Microsoft Theater. Your badge still works part of E3 to go inside of it. But it is different, right? Does this no. make for a partnership in the future, Paris, where maybe we are together? Or will it always be, I'm across the street, you see me over there? And, and that's kind of why my initial thinking was they're, they're not going to do anything there because my memories, my last few years memories of E3 was they really weren't there, you know, anyways, they were across the street. They were conducting all their business across the street. They weren't truly a part of the quote unquote E3 experience at the LA convention center. They're doing it at the Microsoft theater and a lot of things E3 related were starting to happen more and more offsite and not on the show floor. So this virtual one, yeah, it's not going to matter because everything is going to be virtual, but it's going to be interesting to see, knock on wood, 2022 comes around. What does E3 look like at that point if we can have in-person events again? Because let's go back to last year. Let's remember, Jeff Keighley, he had left before the pandemic even happened and, and decided to go his own way. Um, E3 was already going to do something drastically different from what they had done in 2019. PlayStation is gone. EA is gone. Activision, who the hell knows? So it's like, I, I, I don't know. I don't know what a normal E3 will look like moving forward. I still can't see Xbox going back into the convention center, because if you remember, and I think, you know, Mike, when you were there, the thing of year they were doing it, their presence in the convention center was Mixer. There is no mixer anymore. So now what? What are you going to do? I don't know. They have the Microsoft Theater. It that worked for them. I, I, I truly don't know. I, I don't know what the future of E3 looks like. But 
Gary, you, you kind of brought up a point which made me think of something else, you know, um, you know, a couple of weeks ago when we were talking about Comic-Con and the decision they made to having an in-person event on Thanksgiving, they admitted that was fueled by they needed revenue, they needed money, or they might go away. I do wonder if even with this virtual E3, that's part of it too. They had to do something this year. They had to get some kind of revenue coming in, or maybe they don't exist in 2022 or, or beyond to even have this conversation about an in-person E3 again. So again, I, I, I simply don't know. I'm, this is one that I'm fascinated to see because when I look at, I look at PAX, to me, that makes way more sense as a fan-driven event. Comic-Con, obviously the same thing. Um, I had the lucky opportunity to go to Gamescom in 2019, and that is just truly built for the fan experience. They're pumping hundreds of thousands of people through there, but they do it in a smart way for the media where they have a, a complete business center where the media can get all their work done the same time that that the fans are interacting at the booths. E3 was never built to sustain both. And with the public coming in the last couple of years at E3, it was just freaking chaos. I mean, if you've been there, you, you know what I'm talking about. So I don't know. <laughs> I really don't know. I don't know what the future holds for E3, but... um. I'll, I'll just take my L right now about Microsoft because I was wrong about the virtual. <laughs> I'm not, one, so. I got to say, I'm not terribly optimistic about the future of E3. You know, one of yeah. the things that we keep saying about COVID and the pandemic is that, you know, we was, we keep talking about going back to normal, but then we also immediately talk about how the new normal is not going to be just the same as the old normal. Right. But this pandemic has been so um, uh, profound and, and you know, we've all lived a, a very different life for a whole year. Like just in my core business of Hollywood, right? We're seeing all of these, major studios now experimenting with different ways of releasing movies, right? You know, HBO Max have been putting like first release movies, but they just, you know, put Godzilla versus Kong on HBO Max free with your subscription the same day it was in theaters. And it's been a big hit. Disney's um, experiment with different business models, bringing their, their um, movies day and date to Disney plus. We've seen all these different, like, and and I guarantee you they're gathering all kinds of data and they're th and a lot of them are thinking, huh, there might be more money in doing it this way. Maybe we don't just go back to the old way of like movies being exclusive in theaters. Maybe it could well be that we're going, we don't know yet. It's too early to say, we don't know what data the studios are seeing, but when we go back to normal, it might be a new normal where you don't have to go to a theater day one to see a new release movie. You can just, you can just get it on HBO max or Disney plus or whatever. Maybe there's a fee. Maybe there's not, we're going to experiment with different models, but that might be one thing that is now forever changed because we went through a year where we learned a whole bunch of different yeah, shit. Yeah, we did. The way that we work. Some you know, some companies are saying to their employees, you don't ever worry about coming back to work. You can just work from home now because we've got a year's worth of data that tells us it works, right? Is that did that happen to you Paris? Yeah, get just just 2 weeks ago they were like, yeah, don't don't come back. <laughs> <laughs> I know I've had people telling me that my whole my whole career. Um, so all of this all of this stuff is you know again it, it, we're gonna we're gonna see permanent permanent changes. <coughs> Excuse me. And one of the things that we might see is E three might never be the same again, right? Maybe E three transitions to being. I personally think the E three in person event sucks. I never liked going to E three. Pax does it so much better. Pax is a way way better in person of in in person event than E three ever was. Yeah. Better just just more fun. Better managed greater focus on the gamer it feels less corporate it's just it's just way better organized e3 would never it was never great at the in-person event like it was spread out organized badly it was a mess the best thing um, about like in-person e3 was just being able to like quickly catch up with other industry people and that's really yeah cool. as, a, as a social next yeah and we all and we all loved going to the fig or the jw or the omni or whatever and drinking and, and going out and having dinner like as a social hub 
it yep. was great. But like that was, but that was incidental to the actual business event that was taking place. Exactly. But Paris, you, Paris, you're absolutely right. Like the ESA, obviously, it has other things that it does. But the main thing that it does, really, in terms of its revenue, I believe, is put on E3. And the same with Comic-Con, having to put that event on over Thanksgiving. I don't think they wanted to do that. But if sta if staging conventions, in-person conventions, or virtual conventions is your core business, and you can't, you can't operate your core business, you're going out of business. Yep. And so they had to do something. Again, I think that I still think a virtual Comic-Con would have been a smarter move uh, than the the Thanksgiving event that you know no one seems that excited about. I think a virtual E3 makes perfect sense for E3. They had they couldn't do not like doing nothing was not not an option. And I think rather than try to st stage like a scaled down E3 where they still would have got shit about COVID and safety because we're not out of the woods yet. And I don't think it would have been it would it would have felt like anemic. Um, just just go all out on like the most lavish virtual event that you can again we're to be seeing how well they do it but i think that i think what they're trying to do is the right thing because again they have to do something otherwise they will go out of business agreed it's interesting gary you brought it up i guess the the frame would be can xbox and others save e3 here because now what we'll see is this virtual event right this isn't us going to the la convention and xbox and nintendo and everybody being there and opening the doors and saying come in and play the games this year it's going to be hey, we're putting on our conferences during this online event. But in all honesty, right, you're going to go to YouTube.com or Twitch.com slash Xbox or Twitch.com slash Nintendo, right? Like, is E3 really going to be the one ownership of this broadcast? And does that change the tide? Or does this just bring the name E3 back into relevance for hopefully next year where maybe the partnership does do well with Xbox, Nintendo, and so on, so they can bring everybody back next year. Because this year, it's totally different, right? It's all online. But, like, how will the E3 branding really be present and leave a lasting feel? That will, that's something interesting to me. Like, I, I think one thing about just the, 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 e, the symbol of E3, I, I feel like what we were seeing before the pandemic is it wasn't necessarily important to participate in it but it was important to put your information out around it. So as an example, being in person, Devolver Digital has been across the street forever, right? In the trailers doing their thing. And that was like its own event to be able to go over to that. And obviously they, they would have their, their own press conferences and show off their games that way. Like we're saying, Microsoft is across the street right now. EA was doing EA Play down in Hollywood, but it was all happening around the symbol that was E3. So. I think in that sense, you know, keeping this more Xbox centric, even if they were going to do their own event, it probably made sense for them to do it around the spectacle that is E3. And at that point for them, it was like, well, we might as well just be officially a part of the event instead of, you know, sitting on the outside looking in. Whereas like Devolver Digital obviously was not one of the ones that's participating. We know PlayStation isn't participating EA, but they're probably going to have events around that same week too you know what i mean so in that way e3 still does hold, hold importance and i've obviously been i've been a huge skeptic and critic about its its relevance the past few years but i get it i i get why we have it obviously i've it's 2001 was a magical moment for me the first time i got to go and you know i've, I've tried to go every year since um like like uh i think it was barrett was saying selfishly the social experience of it is is, is been huge but that's not the case for 99% of the people. So I try to look at it from that perspective because they're just simply not there. So I don't want it to go away in, in that sense.
but yeah, like, like you said, Gary, we're, we're going to have some new normal that comes out of this and what it is. I mean, we, we just don't know yet. We'll, we'll have to see next year. Yeah, I mean, if the ESA has a really successful virtual E3, they may just decide that they don't want it, that the in-person events just, you know, if they fight, if they, if this, if this pandemic forces them to try a different business model and they come back and go, oh shit, like this right, actually works really well, yeah. why go back mm -hmm. to the old way of doing it? Yep, I agree. All right, well, we'll circle our calendars June 12th through June 15th, an all digital and free E3. That was the big one there, of course, when we led into that lot of hubba blue of is there are they going to try to charge for certain aspects of this e3 that would most likely be all digital xbox coming in along with a number of other teams to support this so we'll check that out and when i ran through all the studios man xbox is going to hit you with a one-two punch but we'll do the predictions later but like there's a lot that this team could show with themselves yeah. and bethesda it's gonna be a ton it's gonna be a ton of fun but let's keep the show rolling as we near the end of this one we got an xbox game pass alert that you need to know about because there's a whole lot of news coming your way. So games coming in on April 8th, Grand Theft Auto 5 comes to cloud and console. It's making its return. Zombie Army 4 Dead War comes to cloud, console, and PC. Disney Adventures comes to cloud. Uh, Rush, Disney, a Rush, a, I probably misspelled that. Rush, a Disney slash Pixar adventure. Oh, okay. Uh, coming to cloud. And then April 12th, NHL 21 coming to console April 15th. Rain on your parade, cloud console and PC, along with Pathway on PC. April 20th, MLB The Show 21. And then, of course, leaving, as many of you need to go get your hands on these games before they go. April 15th, Deliver Us The Moon, Gato Roboto, Wargroove will all be leaving. Along on April 16th, we got a big EA one here as Madden 15, 16, 17, 18, and the 25th anniversary we will be leaving alongside NHL 18th and 19th. So a whole lot there. Remember, Xbox Game Pass members can save up to 20% on games leaving Game Pass, while Ultimate and PC members can save up to 10% on EA Play games. So something to keep in mind out for if you're looking to grab those games before they go. A big one here for your Game Pass update is Cloud Gaming now has 50-plus games with touch controls. It's crazy to think that we started with Minecraft Dungeon, Paris, right? We started with Minecraft Dungeons with touch controls. Now 50 plus already able to play. Uh, the big ones coming in, Sea of Thieves Gears 5, Dragon Quest Eleven, Echoes of the Elusive Age, Slay the Spire, and many more. Some big standouts for you if you want to play with touch controls. Minecraft Dungeons, Hellblade, Killer Instinct, Streets of Rage 4, Dead Cells, Hot Shot Racing. Tell me why one through three, golf with your friends, Gears 5, Donut County, Sea of Thieves, Viva Pinata 1 and 2. The list goes on, y'all. It's crazy that this team listened to the community, took in the feedback, and said, you know what? We will add touch controls in a meaningful way, and we'll make it happen. And they've done that with 50-plus titles in a pretty short span. And so when I read this, I immediately jumped on my phone, and I said, well, you're telling me Gears 5 has touch controls enabled? I'll give it a try. It's wild. It, it has touch controls. Yeah. But it's probably the wrong game for touch controls. I'm going to be 100% honest with everybody. There's a lot going on in that shooter that touch controls probably don't work for <laughs> as you want to dial it back a little bit yeah. to an easier game. But it is wild to see what they've done with the two thumb sticks, we'll call it, and all the buttons all around it where you can customize them and move them and mirror it. But like to see them have active reload, aim down sights, you're shooting on one thumbstick, you're moving all around. And to think, man, I'm playing Gears 5 with touch controls 
is absolutely wild. And I took to Twitter today, Paris and Gary, to like show that and be like, wow, Saw I'm that. playing Gears yeah. 5, right? And like people were so mixed. Like there was a lot of people who were like, oh, that's so cool. And then one person wrote like, why though? And it's like, oh man, I don't know if people really grasp, like we've talked about this before, Paris, of like that, take a step back, right? It's like, why? Well, you know, think of yourself at school or at work, you got a 15, 30 minute break. Bang, do you really want to carry a controller around in your backpack or pocket? Not all of us do, so you have this ready to go. Might be at an airport or something like that. And it's really cool to see that, man, I don't have to carry all that extra stuff. I don't have to invest in the Razer Kishi to be able to play some of these games still on my phone from the cloud because the touch controls are right there. And I think that's a big one there. Of course, you can elevate that. You can play it on your PC, on your Xbox. But this was that third piece of the ecosystem that really rounds it out of play anywhere at any time and now with touch controls being elevated i just think it's so cool of like man this is the future we're living in and i'm playing gears five and sure i'm not good at it and i'm definitely not getting kills but like if paris called me and was like hey mike what you doing i'm like well i'm at work i got 20 minutes to do anything he's like want to play horde mode i'd be like heck yeah paris let's play horde mode and we'd have a good time you, you know it's it's funny um and I'm already apologizing because I'm trying to think of her name and I'm blanking right now, but Major Nelson had Kareem Chowdhury and oh my God, I'm forgetting her name and I do apologize right now, but basically Kareem Chowdhury and another person um, from, from the Project X Cloud and the backwards compatibility team um, to kind of talk about, you know, the, the new, you know, things that they put on there, but they did touch on the touch controls and, and how that works. And I highly suggest uh, people go check out that episode and uh, catch that because it was really informative. One thing that he brought up, just speaking on backwards compatibility, Kareem Chowdhury was talking about the history of that because he's the one that started it, um, the initiative. And he was saying that, you know, when when he first brought it up, I guess Phil Spencer basically recruited him in to, to come do it and said, hey, I, I think, you know, I, I want you to be part of my team or whatever. Again, go listen to the interview. But the point that he was trying to make was his his proposal to Phil Spencer was. I need you to give me and my team an entire year to see if we can figure this out. And then after a year, we'll tell you if it works or not. And Phil Spencer said, okay. So just that conversation alone tells me this whole backwards compatibility initiative, which ultimately is now led into cloud streaming, and we're seeing it there, all started with a conversation like that, where you know you had to have the foresight to say, I'm gonna allow these really smart people uninterrupted time to see if they can crack the code to figure out if, if we can emulate this and, and bring all these games forward on the current consoles. And then clearly they did it. Um, but they did say this is not an easy thing. Like they're almost taking these games on a case by case basis and there's different hurdles and things that they encounter as they do it. And one other thing, and again, I'm, I'm dying that I can't remember the, the, this, this woman's name and I do apologize, but she was saying that they don't touch the code at all when they they make these backwards compatible, compatible games. So the code, the, the the initial code, you know, that the game was created on remains intact and they encapsulated what, whatever. Again, watch the interview. But it, it was actually fascinating to hear how all this is working on the engineering side on the back end to bring what now has become. You know, everyone's looking at this as that's that's the gold standard to get to. 
to what Xbox has built with their whole backwards compatibility. And then now you're seeing that start to come to cloud streaming. And like you're saying, Mike, you're seeing them add touch control. So it's just adding another layer of accessibility to it for people to be able to engage with these games. And that's crazy to think that all this has happened in the past, where are we now, 2021, like the past six years, they've been able to kind of get to this point. So it's pretty amazing. It's really I just wanted to weigh in. Uh, just, yeah, just yeah. one additional point that um, that's, I guess, kind of related to this that we were talking about right before the show is that it's been interesting to see the phone manufacturers, the hardware manufacturers react to this um, increase in, you know, game stream, whether it be Stadia or Luna or xCloud. There's all, obviously all these different ways now you can stream games to your phone. And it's not, it's not just this that they're reacting to, but the fact that like mobile gaming just alone, just like games that you play natively on your phone, obviously is a huge, huge, huge segment of gaming overall. Like it's a multi-billion dollar business, whether it be, you know, Candy Crush or, you know, PUBG Mobile. It's just a massive, massive, huge business that we often don't even think. Of. I guess we don't think of it as like as sexy as like quote unquote real games that we play on our consoles or our PC, but that's big, big money in mobile gaming. And it's only going to get bigger playing games on your phone is only going to get bigger as you can now play those AAA console games on your phone through these different streaming services. I was watching a video uh, on one of my favorite YouTube channels to watch uh, Unbox Therapy. You know, a guy who just like takes mm -hmm. gadgets out of their boxes and plays around with them. And he was looking today at a new Lenovo Android phone, which is absolutely hardcore aimed at like crazy, crazy gamers it's got like the like rgb on the you know on the outside of the it, look, it looks like a mini pc just basically shrunk down and made into a phone but you know it's, it's it's got like physical fans that are spinning on the back of it it's all got all kinds of crazy shit you know it's basically engineered to be a high-end gaming phone and one of the things that i thought was interesting about it was like they're never going to put thumbsticks on a phone it's still the virtual thumbsticks and they're not ideal but i've seen several phones now including this one that actually have like left bumper and right bumper and left trigger and right trigger on the top of the phone so when you put it into or on the side of the phone so when you put it into landscape mode for gaming you actually have triggers and bumpers built into the phone you don't have like, the razor yeah. here's the thing the razor kishi that little that little br bracket thing they sent us that you can plug uh that you can slot an xbox controller into and it holds your phone above it that's that's all cool, but I honestly think a lot of those gadgets are kind of clumsy and awkward. We don't always want to be carrying around an extra piece of hardware. I would feel a little bit silly, like sitting in a Starbucks or whatever with my game controller and my phone kind of playing a game. But and just playing a game on my phone with no additional like stuff strapped onto it, I think I would feel slightly less um, um, self-conscious. So I think obviously the iPhone market's always going to be immune to this because the iPhone's just going to be the, the iPhone. They're never going to do mm -hmm. crazy shit like by, put it, by like putting bumpers and triggers on it. But the Android market, which is massive, even bigger than the iPhone globally, you're gonna you're gonna see a lot of competition. I think for these high end uh, gaming phones from Lenovo, from Razer, uh, from these places, and it's gonna be partly because mobile gaming is getting bigger and bigger, but it's partly because this uh, you know, in the coming years with with Stadia, with Luna, with XCloud, and whatever other services come down the pike, playing games like playing games on your phone is gonna be just a bigger and bigger and bigger thing, and you're gonna see more and more phones catering to that market. So the idea of the Razer Kishi or the bracket or the thing that you put on the phone to make it more of a viable gaming device, I think that's there's always going to be some aspect of that, but it maybe it'll go away as the phones themselves just become better at playing AAA console style games on them natively. So cool. So much to look at. And remember, games coming in, games leaving, and 50 plus games now with touch one, controls for the cloud. Tell me, Paris. One, one, one thing. I, I had to go look it up because it was killing me. So it's, it's, <laughs> it's Peggy Lowe, and she is the lead for the compatibility team. Yeah, and I do apologize for not remembering that off the top of my head. But 
yeah, her and Kareem Chowdhury on Major Nelson's podcast talking about the whole backwards compatibility initiative and talking about Project X Cloud and just how all that stuff came about. Like I said, it was really good. Highly suggest people check it out. I love that. I'm going to pause so you two can go run and grab your Oh, God, are we not, we're not really doing salsa. this, are we? <laughs> I'm going to give the best friends a quick heads up so you have right. a moment if you want to do, do it. it. All right. I'll be back. Okay. All right, we'll be right back. Here, here's some heads up for all the best friends out there, things you need to know about for all the listeners and viewers. Hey, guess what? You could play the next Forza Motorsport soon. Yeah, that's right. This is coming from IGN.com by Matt Perslow. Turn 10 has announced that players will soon be able to go hands-on with the next Forza Motorsport game, provided they are part of the Forza feedback panel. Quote, we will soon be able to share our people in our Forza panel. They will actually be able to get their hands on a part of our new Forza Motorsport game. Quote, said Chris Asaki, creative director of Forza Motorsport, in an update on Twitter. The only way to get your hands on this part of the new Forza Motorsport title is to be part of that panel, he revealed. So I'll encourage all of you to go on over to IGN. Go check out Matt Perslow's article about this chance to go play the new Forza Motorsports title because in that article, he actually has the sign-up where you can be part of the Forza Feedback panel. So if this interests you, if you want to see the future of Forza Motorsports, now's your chance to sign up. Some more big heads up. Your Xbox Game Pass quests for April are now available. Here are the four quests for the month that you need to know about. On Forza Horizon 4, if you earn 7,000 influence, you'll get 150 points. If you play Player Unknown's Battleground, two games, you'll get 150 points. If you jump onto Alien Isolation and spend five minutes successfully avoiding alien detection, you'll get 150 points. And finally, for your monthly goals of April, Elder Scrolls Online, Tamriel Unlimited, find two Sky Shards or have three Alliance versus Alliance kills. You'll earn 150 points. So make sure to go check out your quests for April. And, of course, check out your dailies and weekly quests. If you're saying to yourself, Snowbike Mike, what the heck is Game Pass Quest? I'm going to talk more about this next week and give you a deep dive into this awesome program, how you can get involved, and what you might be missing out on because it's really, really cool, really, really fun, and encourages play, which you should go check out. Your April games with gold. So you got to go grab these right now. Get available. Viking, Wolves of Midgard, Truck Racing Championship, Dark Void, Hard Corpse Uprising are your four games with gold for the month of April. And the two big ones you need to know about, Age of Empires, fan preview this Saturday, April 10th at 9 a.m. West Coast, Best Coast time. Get ready to celebrate Age of Empires with some fun fan events. Age of Empires 2, 3, and 4 will be on display. You got to go check it out. April 10th at 9 a.m., Age of Empires fan preview. And finally, to finish this out, get ready to get scared again as we have another Resident Evil showcase on April 15th at 3 p.m. West Coast, Best Coast time, hosted by our friend of the show, Brittany Brombacher from What's Good Games. Yes. So make sure to go check that out. You got a whole lot of things to be in the know about. And let's end this week's kind of funny X cast with our two guys going up to the challenge and it tastes something real hot provided by outriders uh, square Enix people can fly uh, Paris and Gary. I'll go to you, Gary. What the heck is this bottle of hot sauce and what so, is it coming in at? Okay. Okay. So there, here it is. It's the outriders uh, techno, sorry, outriders pyromancer 
thermal bomb sauce. Ooh. And it says right here on the label, warning, there's the label, warning, extremely hot, used with caution, <laughs> great tasting hot sauce with a serious kick, avoid any and all contact with skin and body parts, keep away from children, 120,000 Scoville units. And if you're familiar with the Scoville <laughs> scale, that's no joke. So we listen. In all seriousness, you have to, a tiny little dab of this, Paris. Otherwise, we're going to be in the hospital. Okay. I got one. Here's the thing. I'm going all in. I got my Halo's potato chips here. I'm going to put a tiny little amount on my Halo potato chip. What have you got there? Cheese it or something? What is that? No, this this is like a, a sweet potato cracker. All right. Oh well, hold on. So be careful because the bottle is like it's not like there's like a little. It's you, you got to really kind of put yeah. this on oh, carefully. I, I, Hold on. Here, here, I want to see so people don't think I'm I'm cheating. Alexander I'm Hernandez in the chat put, brings up a good point. Milk. And then the oh. other thing that I wanted to say is that, Mike, I'm really scared that it's just going to be you and me next week. Um, you know what? I, 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 I got a feeling it's going to be. On the milk? Mike's going to be doing the post show alone. So I got a feeling I'm running out of here. Let me show you how much I put here. It's like, like it's that much. How much have you got there, Paris? Oh, you put Do we have a similar amount? Yeah, yeah. Oh, I think close. I got more yeah, here. Yeah, I'm, 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 more. I'm gonna, go, I'm gonna go for it. This is for Danny You're going Pena. All in? Oh my god! This is for Danny Pena. Oh, gamer tag. I got radio. a ton. By the way, Mike, go. just just a small programming note. You're getting one of these boxes as well. So next week you're not next getting week, you're, you're, your punishment just oh, being no. delayed by a week. <laughs> Are we doing uh, this, Paris? On the count oh of three? Oh my god! On the count of three, and this is probably the end of the show for me. Just so you know. So here we go. One to the end. Two. One, two, three. Three. The Pyromancer Firebomb Sauce right here. Hot sauce. Okay. 100,000 wow. Scoville units. You can see it in Paris' eyes. <laughs> <clears throat> Is that hitting you? Oh, yeah, I'm feeling bad, it. Boys? I'm feeling it. Guess I got the hiccups. Well. I got hiccups already. I think Gary aged just like a couple of years in the last couple yeah. of seconds. Oh, God. Uh, just to hit him really quick yeah. on that one. I'm about to start sweating. Oh, I got... The hot sauce always gives me hiccups. I got them immediate, immediately. <laughs> oh, shit. He did. Well, with that, let's conclude this week's Kind yeah, of Funny conclude. X-Cast. Thank you all uh, so yeah. much for hanging out with us. <laughs> These two are going to go find some milk. They're going to cool off with some ice cream, and we will enjoy our weekend of gaming. Thank you so much. On behalf of Paris, Gary, and Barrett working the ones and twos and the whole Kind of Funny family, thank you so much for tuning in, whether you're on YouTube or on podcast services. Have a wonderful weekend <laughs> and game a bunch. See you later. Mm-hmm. <laughs>